It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Now we're making a shrine. Yeah, right, right, right. Jersey, jacket, ring. Is there something we owe him? And Sam Ostrowski. I can see how he how he jump leaped or uh, frog leaped. Deep frog, frog leaped, however the hell is saying this. Diamond in the Rough, episode 19. He's Sam Ostrowski. I'm Dan Collins. You heard our names in the intro. The funny bites, the tidbits. MLB Futures Game 2017, the All-Star Game, Home Run Derby to Sandwich. In between that, a lot of fun stuff. And now coming up, second haul of the season, MLB trade deadline, all type of things to talk about, catch up on. Baseball has been an absolute delight this past week. Anybody who thinks otherwise is absolutely crazy. That even goes into the weekend leading up to what was the All-Star Game festivities. Lots of awesome stuff going on. Some smart people over there in the Major League Baseball offices. We'll get to that first. Bring in Sam Ostrowski, who's a few miles down south at home via Skype. Time to have episode 19 of Diamond in the Rough podcast. Yeah, more than than enough to talk about. We're finally at the half point of the season, which is pretty hard to believe, actually, that we're already here. You know, the All-Star Game, it's... It's come and gone, and so is the Futures game and the Home Run Derby and all the fun and the softball game, the celebrity softball game, you name it. So it's about time for the second half of the season, and it's going to be really interesting because, as we know, this is when things heat up. We know it's a long season, but coming off the All-Star game, that's when everyone's at, ideally, their healthiest, and when moves are going to be made, we'll get a lot into that as well. But first, Dan, I want to talk about that Futures game. I know you got to watch it. I didn't get to watch it. I was at work, unfortunately, but I got the highlights. I got to watch the important stuff, and my takeaways from it, I'm sure, are similar to you. We have to talk about the MVP, don't we? Brent Honeywell, the number two prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays, came in. He started the game for the USA, pitched two innings, shutout innings, and struck out four of the six outs of those two innings as well. So, of course, they had to give him the MVP nod, even though it was a close game. It ended up being... 7-6 Seven to six for the U.S. Even though they started seven and oh, that game started seven to nothing, and then the the world team came back, managed to score six runs, and gave uh, the U.S. a scare. Even in the ninth inning, when A.J. Puck was on the mound, scoring another run and putting the pressure on them. But the nevertheless, the U.S. holds off. Brent Honeywell, he's the MVP, and I love watching this guy. It's really exciting to see someone who has such a unique pitch. I'm talking about the screwball he throws, of course. It's just refreshing to see someone different and see someone who's worked so hard at perfecting one pitch. Of course, he has more in his arsenal. Uh, He's got a decent fastball and changeup to go with it. But it's that screwball that keeps hitters just off track, and it's really fun to watch. That ball moves all over the place, and it's tough to hit. I I imagine it's going to take some pro hitters a long time to really catch up with Brent Honeywell once he makes his way up to the race. Well, I'll talk about the Futures game all you want. I'm actually very disappointed in myself that in the open I did not mention the Celebrity Softball game, which really is a head slapper to me because that actually very, very fun event does not get nearly enough TV time as it should. I believe, what is it, uh, they film it on Sunday, air it on Monday or something crazy like that. But we'll get back to that later because, as I said, we will talk about a lot of the festivities. Going back to your man Honeywell, it seems to me – it was very exciting, and I did watch the majority of that game as I did the All-Star game. I DVR'd both of them, but I didn't watch them live. 
Uh, I saw maybe, okay, the first inning or two of the World uh, versus USA game, uh, first two innings, then I had to go back and forth throughout the, throughout the day. But one thing I made sure to catch was that solid performance by the MVP Huntingwell. His two innings only giving up the one hit. And as you mentioned, he's going to punch out four of the six batters that he, <laughs> that he ended up getting the outs with. And with him perfecting that pitch, the screwball, it seems to me that's when it comes down to being a dominant pitcher, whether it be starting pitcher, relief pitcher, closer, you name it, in Major League Baseball, you have to have that go-to pitch. If you want to be a dominant pitcher, your go-to pitch has to be nearly unhittable. And I'm not saying that's what his screwball is necessarily to this point, uh, even though some people might might say that now. Uh, granted, he was pitching against a bunch of prospects, and the more he perfects it, the more dangerous he's going to be. But it's, it is a little, it's refreshing in the, in the sense that you don't necessarily see the screwball much anymore. If you even if you watch the broadcast, the broadcasters didn't. They were asking uh, during like the interviews with the coaches, was that the screwball? They, they weren't even able to recognize it, although they knew that it was a very dominant pitch. It was yeah, that had to be the screwball. There was that the screwball. I think that was the screwball. They couldn't even tell. And if you have professionals who've been around this game for decades, years and years and years, broadcasting games, playing in these games. And they can't even tell what this famous, what his famous pitch is, his go-to pitch is. How do you think the guys at the plate are? Because these are the new and up-and-coming stars, and now they are not only seeing the screwball for it might not be the first time in the career, but they're seeing a very, very awesome screwball by Honeywell, and that's what you need to have. Is you mentioned, yeah, he has you know, the fastball and the changeup that he can mix in there. But you look at a guy, for instance, like Jensen of the Dodgers. Their closer, he has that nasty, nasty cutter, even though everything he throws seems to have some natural cut to it. But that's what he goes to. And it comes to the point where, like Honeywell, hopefully because he looks like such an up-and-coming star, you hope it all pans out for him. You hope it gets to the point where it's that Jensen-esque or that Mariano Rivera-esque or even that Chris Sale-esque pitch. Um, Chris Sale's more of the, of, the, of the fastball type of guy as opposed to the cutter. But – where it's that pitch where the hitters know it's coming, you know that it's might it might even be coming again and again and again, but you just can't hit it. So a good performance by him. Something else that was very fun, uh, of course, that you know I'm going to mention, is the Moncada versus Kopech at bat, where it was Kopech's only strikeout in the one very nice inning that he pitched. Two up-and-coming stars in the White Sox organization getting to go one against each other, mano y mano, up at the dish, and I'll, I'll tell you this, if you're a White Sox fan, not only was that exciting, but you probably enjoyed the outcome. You'd probably rather be Kopech be dominant and strike out Moncada because for a couple reasons. One, pitching is what wins you the games. Everybody, you know, it's any sport. It's the cliche, defense wins games. You can have as much hitting as you want. You need the pitching to go with it. So seeing Kopech be the dominant one in that uh, particular matchup was fun to see. Also, a prospect like Moncada, you you know what you're going to be getting. You know that he has the raw skills and that if he just does what he needs to do, he'll probably be up eventually with the White Sox. You don't necessarily worry about him. And I'm not saying you worry about Kopech, but you want to see what's still there. there. There's still a little more hype than it is stuff that you've actually seen. The, the book is still out on him, and the book is obviously still out on Moncada. But in terms of 
the first beginning chapters. The first the first few chapters have already been written for Moncada. There's still a long way to go. Same with Kopek, but Kopek is still in the process of writing the very very few beginning pages of what hopefully is a very very solid book. Also have Collins the catcher who played in that game, but many many other guys. Mejia, you you name it. Jimenez, Acuna. You had Acuna and Moncada on the same team. What a wonderful phrase. And it it was just it was just fun fun to see. It was a good way. Um, to kick off MLB All-Star Weekend. And what, what else really can you ask for? It, it was the first time in a while, you know, you could see NBA does something like this where you see the young stars go head-to-head uh, during the All-Star break. But more or less, your, your young st- some of those young stars are even in the All-Star game, for crying out loud. With baseball, it's very different. And what you saw during the All-Star game was nothing but Tons of ton talent. Judge, Bellinger, they were talked about all weekend, but there were so many. Seager, there were so many more young guys out there on the field during All-Star game, during the All-Star game, and that gave you more reason to tune in or at least look up, see what happened, watch some highlights of the Futures game because those guys could be there in the blink of an eye. So they they could be they could be going out next year to the All Star Game. So it's with the MLB transitioning to more of a young athletic type of game, which I love. It gives you more and more reason to year in and year out watch the Futures Game. Exciting to see really good stuff this year. Of course, we know what the Futures Game is. It's a glimpse into the future, obviously, um, and probably the near future. There was a lot of players that were playing in that game that are clearly about to be called up or will be a you know, an end of the season call up, or we'll probably see them starting by the by the start of next season. So, you know, we're really taking a look at the future All Star games. You know, those guys will go from the future games to the to the All Star games soon enough. You mentioned Mancada, Kopik. Yeah, that was fun to watch to see Kopik strike them out and then kind of give them the wink. And you know, it's fun competition when it comes to teammate to teammate. Um, you mentioned Zach Collins too, who's been killing it in the minors, by the way. So there's a lot to take away from it. And then, of course, the big names we know. It's really what's really exciting about this season as it's been this season of the rookie, has it not? It, I mean, of course, with Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger leading the way, uh, obviously, and we, we saw that home run derby, and it was really fun. I couldn't wait to see those two go against each other as soon as that matchup was made. Uh, I thought Bellinger was give, going to give him a little more run for his money, but, you know, I, after that round uh, against Justin Bohr, who, by the way, I'll be the first to admit it, I thought there was no way that Aaron Judge was going to be able to beat uh, 22, but shame on me for doubting the big six. Shame. The, big, big shame there, absolutely. The doubt the 6'8 monster who was just making it look easy. Sure, he was breaking a sweat, but every swing looked effortless, and it managed to go... And, you know, it seemed like half of them were going over 500 feet hitting the glass on the in the left field, uh, beyond the left field wall. So we'll see what he could do in the second half. I mean, can he keep it up? Can this guy, you know, can he hit over 50 home runs? Can he hit 60 home runs this year? I don't think he'll hit 60. Uh, I think even 50 might be a push, but it's it's very realistic to think that, you know, he could be the MVP of this season. It's It's not out of the question by any means. We're not just talking rookie of the year anymore. And same thing with Bellinger. He's breaking home run records left and right, especially for a Dodgers team. And, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Uh, I, I, you know, I really thought Bellinger was going to be the X factor for them down the line. And here he is. And as long as he could keep this up, you know, it's it's almost not even a question that the Dodgers are going to make their way to the World Series. 
I mean, between Corey Seager, Justin Turner, and Cody Bellinger, two of those guys being extremely young. Uh, we'll see if they can handle the pressure. You know, that's always something to consider as well, considering, I mean, how, you know, how old are they, 23, 24? So it's going to be a fun second half of the season to watch. But beyond the obvious guys, you know, let's talk about maybe some other guys to look out for in the second half that maybe they just got called up or maybe they're about to get called up, whatever it might be. Of course, you have to mention Clint Frazier, who just had that walk-off home run for the Yankees. He already has two under his belt in such a short period of time. We knew he was going to get the call this year. It was only a matter of when. And here he is. He's up, and he looks like he's going to be an everyday starter for the Yankees, who, by the way, I'm going to reel it back real quick. Do you remember when we had a fan question? It was a Yankee fan, and he asked, he said, look, I know we're in a rebuilding mode, but is there any chance we could compete this year? And we answered, and I'm pretty sure we both said, you know what? Probably not. You're about a year away. Well, Dan, we were wrong because the Yankees are there and they're competing. Even though they went on a little bit of a slump before the All-Star break, uh, they have the a playoff, made probably a wild card berth, if anything. The Red Sox are too good. Uh, but with all that young talent, Clint Frazier and Aaron Judge leading the way, I think they they might be a, a playoff team. I think we were wrong. It's pos- uh, There's still a ch- – well, we're wrong 100% because even if they don't make the playoffs, as you mentioned, they will still be competing with the two wild card – two wild cards now there's there's no way they're not going to be quote-unquote competing and it's whatever you consider competing for a second wild card at least they might be competing for the first wild card they might even be competing for the for the freaking division for all we know for the rest of the year few games back they're five games back in the win column of the boston red sox uh three and a half games back total three and seven in their last 10 games uh following the all-star break but regardless like i said if the question was just Will they be competing for a playoff spot? I believe that is how it was phrased. And, yeah, I mean, technically we were wrong. Uh, I don't think any of anyone really really um, predicted that Judge was going to have, like you said, not only the rookie of the year, but the MVP. Type. If, if the season ends today, the season ends tomorrow. If the season ends next week. He's MVP. Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge is the MVP, absolutely. Um, and then Clinton Frazier, that's actually the guy that I wanted to talk about specifically uh, in terms of who are you going to look for to maybe shine in the second half of the season, the Yankees are, it, it's ridiculous already how they're almost an embarrassment of riches with young talent. Nobody would have seen that coming years ago. Even in the beginning of, the, of this year when we were talking about it, we looked and like, wow, you know what, in about a year or so, two years, they're going to be a really hot team again. And Clint Frazier, all of them, and while it was only a little bit of time Clint has been up, What's going to happen when Ellsbury comes back? Because that's basically the guy whose slot he's taking. What do you do if Frazier continues to do what he's doing? Do you sit him off? What if you're neck and neck with the Red Sox at that point? Do you sit right. your hot hand? Who knows? I'm not an OB manager. I don't have to make that decision. Well, it's the but same the- question with the Dodgers when Adrian Gonzalez finally comes off the DL with Cody Bellinger. Of course, Bellinger could play the outfield too, uh, but you know, ideally he's a first baseman. Absolutely. Well, I you know, I think it's a little easier of a question to answer, though, because you Bellinger, you're, you're going to play him, and you're going to play Gonzalez, too. And if you have to move Bellinger around because he's the one who can be moved around, that is what you do. Uh, but you know for sure you're playing him. Frazier, 
I don't know if you just say, well, we move some because they're all outfielders. I mean, you got Judge. You got I mean, the outfield's stacked with good talent, and I don't know if you can necessarily move, even with having a DH in the AL. You know, the Dodgers have that problem. You can't just slide Gonzalez in, who'd be a perfect fit, in my opinion, to go into the DH role. Then you have the younger guy. You know, you almost play the AL rule there, where now it's Bellinger at first base, and the older, the older lad can take a little bit more time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yankees have the DH, and you're still going to have that problem. And like I said, the question becomes is, do you even play him? You're going to play Bellinger. You're crazy if you don't. Um, I Are you crazy if you don't play Frazier? Uh, depends how he does the next week or two. Uh, his performance then, if it doesn't slide off, maybe you are. Every game know, matters but, for him. No doubt. But, every, every game's going to matter for him, you know, to continue to make an impact so that way he can have that starting role that he hopefully – will earn and deserve, but who else are should we be looking for? You know, I can think of someone that comes off the top of my mind, someone who might not be called up yet, but is probably, you know, any day away from the call and could make an immediate impact. The first guy that comes to my mind, uh, without a doubt, is Ahmed Rosario for the Mets, especially because of the position, him being a shortstop, and Jose Reyes, who has just been, let's just say it how it is, he's been awful this year. I think he's batting a 215 up to this point and definitely lost some zip on his swing and in his speed and Jose Reyes, he's, he's on the, you know, he's, he's on his downfall. So Rosario is, is next up and we know how good of a, of a prospect he is. You know, he's a top five guy. So that could be someone to watch out for in the second half as well, who could maybe help the Mets turn their season around a little bit, even though it's going to take a lot of work for the Mets to turn it around, especially with the nationals ahead of them. Well, don't call me cheesy for this one. And I get it. I get exactly where you're going. Uh, and I like that you went that route because I'm, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route here uh, um, in terms of who you should be on the lookout for. I think Rosario was a fantastic pick for all the reasons you have just stated. Uh, he is definitely definitely an up-and-coming talent. I think that uh, once he does get his chance, heck, we've been seeing this over and over again. A top prospect comes up. We mentioned it with Judge and Bellinger and Frazier, and hopefully same will happen when Moncada comes up sooner or later, even though that's not who I'm going with. Um, it's like as soon as they come up, they meet the hype, and hopefully that's the same for everyone. But the guy I am going to go for, and don't give me any slack for this, the guy that should be on your radar is somebody who was on this show before, and to me that's the Cardinals' Paul DeYoung. Because oh, of what yes. Been, because of what he's been doing with the Cardinals already, and I feel that – Paul DeYoung is not necessarily a name that many, many – he's the one who's sneaking in under the radar. And I think actually lucky for him because there are the young Bellingers of the world and the Judge and the Frazier who are on the Yankees and the Cardinals. Now, if the Cardinals were the Cardinals of their usual selves and not having an off year, then I think uh, DeYoung's name would definitely be – on a lot more people's radar, but because the Cardinals are having a subpar year and because there's so many other just shining young talents out there, he's actually, he's been doing a great job for the Cardinals and not many people are noticing it, I feel, at least not enough. So that is why I will go with our very own Paul DeYoung because that is somebody who you should now Put your radar on if you already don't have him on there. Maybe if you've listened to the show a couple times before and you've listened to the interview, you've been keeping up, you've been keeping tabs on, on good old DeYoung down there in St. Louis. But if you haven't, that's where I'm going to go 
with who you should keep an eye on. Well, you know I like that pick, of course. Nine home runs, 20 RBIs, and of course he just had his 4-for-4 four four game. And the best part for the Cardinals is that he's played some second base, he's played some shortstop, and he could play third if they need him to. Hell, throw him in the outfield, it doesn't matter. He's a utility guy, they could throw him where they want. And his power is just so natural. So it's been awesome to see Paul DeYoung have the success that he's had. And I absolutely think you're right. He's someone to watch out for the second half, uh, especially with what he has been doing thus far. You know what this kind of reminds me of? The fact what that. Does it you of? Well, the fact that this year has been the year of the rookie. The last season I can remember that was like that, where we, were, we weren't just talking about rookies having rookie of the year years, but rather MVP years, is 2001, because we know. In that year, that was Ichiro and Albert Pujols getting the call in the same year and coming and doing what they did. And I don't think it's far off to compare it to that season at all. Of course, when you first hear the names Ichiro and Pujols, you go, no, 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 it's not those guys. But look what's happening. Aaron Judge has 30 home runs at the half. Albert Pujols did not even do that in 2001. So that's what it's kind of reminding me of, which is super exciting for Hey, it's really exciting for us. I mean, look at it. And like you said, guys like Paul DeYoung, who aren't even getting the credit, who ideally any other year could have been Rookie of the Year maybe. It, it's pretty incredible. Besides the the nine home runs and 20 RBIs, you also didn't mention that betting 313, what a 932 OPS. It's Yeah, I mean, those are incredible numbers. And, no, and the only ones talking about it are the ones in St. Louis. Let's be real. Probably, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Sure, I, I haven't you know, listen to programs from around the country necessarily. I mean, I've, I've checked into a few national programs here and there, but sure, yeah, I mean, I take it you're, you're probably onto something there. And I think that with this reminding you a little bit of the year 2001, if you want to throw it way back as you did, as we've kind of been talking about throughout this podcast, throughout even this exact show, I think you're just going to be seeing this a lot, a lot more. I mean, it's been, I don't know if it's just been this year. I mean, you go back to the past few years, Look at the team who just won the World Series, the Cubs. For how many years have we been talking about Bryant and Rizzo and Russell? And I'm talking years ago when they were, you know, it seems like they've been in the year for, in the league for 10 years already, but they haven't. And then look who they faced in the World Series. You the Lindor. I mean, there's so many, not even just those teams. It's many who have just guys that are under the age of 26, 25. It's just unreal. And that is a reason to watch. One thing that I want to actually talk about before we keep going into all the festivities or even going a little forward now into uh, the second half of the season. I want to just rewind it back a little bit more to what we saw um, in the home run derby, actually. And this is something I've been wanting to bring up because and we can only talk, you know, for you know, two, three minutes on it. I think it's, it's something really quick we can run through. But one thing that's bothered me, actually. And I was somebody who back then probably would have been more of a baseball traditionalist, but by no means do I even come close to considering myself a traditionalist anymore. I am somebody who is all for an electronic strike zone, even though that's not what I'm about to get at right now. Um, But there's just a lot more improvements I think the game can have. And something that I don't necessarily think Robert Manfred is... Uh, I don't think it's his fault. I don't think he necessarily put it. It could be a manufacturing problem, but I want to get into the juiced baseballs discussion very quickly here because I think it's an important thing to discuss just for a quick couple minutes, if you will. And 
I don't call me crazy, but even if the balls are juiced, and let's just let's just give everybody uh, the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say it's not even a manufacturing error. It's just the way Rawlings, um, how they want to do it. Call me crazy. I don't think there's a problem with it. As a matter of fact, I think it might actually be beneficial. I mean, for a home run derby, it doesn't. No, 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 bu- well, I'm going to link it to the home run derby, but don't think in terms of home run derby right now. Just think in terms of just every the day play. Yeah, just think of everyday regular season. Ah, see, <laughs> I don't consider myself net really a, a traditionalist either, but I think I'm I'm fine not having juiced up baseballs because then that oh man, then you get all just a whole different issues where everyone's going to be arguing about it, but. Um, I see where you're coming from, and I get it, but then you're just giving offensive hitters more power than what they already have. I think they already have enough in front of them to where they can have more than enough successful season. We call it the era of the pitchers uh, just because of the dominance that we haven't seen from pitchers in the past that we're seeing now in Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlanders and Max Scherzers of the world, but I'm okay with it. I, I... I don't think a juiced ball is needed. That's just my opinion, but I totally can understand why someone can argue the point. I'm not going to deny your argument. It's not needed, necessarily, and I totally respect where you're coming from, but here's just the food for thought before we move on. The food for thought is this. One, I am no scientist. I'm no, I'm not that great at physics. I never even took physics in high school. Um, but what I will say is if you put all the math and everything together, what does a juice baseball give you tops? 5, 10, 15 feet tops? Maybe that's – it's probably somewhere between 5 and 15 would, would be my guess. Aaron Judge in the home run derby, and even in the regular season, but if you watch the home run derby, you, you, you're you going to really get what I'm talking about. The dude's not hitting him 400. He's sent him 450, 500 feet, and that goes for a lot of the guys who are hitting home runs. If you're talking 5 to 15 feet, that's like warning track balls now being home runs. These guys are hitting them way farther than that. That's just my one little quick tidbit. Also to that, it is a pitcher's game. So with the way the game is evolving, and I don't want to be the typical American who has a short attention span and just needs offense, 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 but if a juice baseball, and I think the word juice just scares people. Like it I said, does. I to give you extra 5 to 10 feet, which is, in the grand scheme of things, really not that much. If it could provide that much little more offense – that may even be what you need. The, 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 the pitchers and with the stats and everything is just crazy. Going up to the plate, you're bound to fail, and that is why we're so odd at what the great hitters can do. So that's just my little bit of food for thought now as we carry on is what does a quote-unquote very negative word juice baseball really give you? And I understand what you're saying where it's not needed. I, I guess I agree with you there. I'm not going to say it is needed, but – is it maybe even beneficial? It could be a little bit because it adds just a little more offense and already a pitcher dominated, stat dominated. Look at the shifts out there. You know exactly the guy's hitting habits. You know exactly where to line up. The game is against him at the plate. If it's going to give a, a little more offense, hey, why not? The steroid era was disgusting and ridiculous and, and dumb because everybody was doing it. It wasn't an even playing field. If they're all juice baseballs, it's an even playing field. I don't want to see guys hitting 60, 70 home runs and doing ridiculous stuff like that. But if it, if it provides just a little bit more offense, not necessarily a big deal. That's my rant for the show, and I just want to give that a little bit of food for thought. But now we can carry food. on. 
Food yeah. for thought. Food for thought. That's fine. We'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. Let uh, let all the listeners decide for themselves what they'd rather have. But before we wrap up the show, we got what we got. Now we've got a little bit of time, some some minutes left. I would like to talk about the trade deadline. We're way closer to it than we think. Just a few weeks out, and rumors are starting. They're flying all over the place, and everyone's talking about the big names that are gonna potentially be moved, especially. Um, from on the mound, Sonny Gray's been in a lot of talks. Jose Quintana, as we know, but that's been that's been talking about since the offseason. And Justin Verlander's name even being tossed around from the Tigers yeah. uh, now. So, but more so than that, I want to talk to you about the potential return. You know, those guys that we always talk about on this show, who maybe you know their name, maybe you don't, and what prospects are basically on the block. We know what veterans are on the block, but. Two teams that you and I have talked about that there's been a lot of rumors about that I think they'll make some kind of move are the Milwaukee Brewers, who are currently leading the division and realistically have a chance to win it, which is surprising to everyone, of course, and the Houston Astros, who are having what could end up being a historic season uh, with that lineup. They just need to add some pitching, and the Astros have some prospects to give up. They've got some good talent. I'm thinking Kyle Tucker. I'm thinking Derek Fisher, who just got the call up and already has a couple home runs and also played in the future game uh, and was impressive in that game as well. I don't see the Astros getting rid of Fisher, especially since they just called him up. So I think they're, I think that they believe he's too much of an asset to that lineup. But a guy like Kyle Tucker? Oh, Absolutely. His name's been on the block since last season. He's a top prospect. Top, I think he's 27th on the top 100 currently, something like that. Um, really athletic left-hander, and he's he's a young guy, so who wouldn't want to have him? And who's going to get him, though? Is it going to be the A's? Is it going to be the White Sox? Could it even be the Tigers? Who knows? I could really see the Astros fighting for Sonny Gray, though, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Tucker is in those talks. I don't think it will be... The Tigers. It's funny that you mentioned Kyle Tucker because that is the name I was just going to go to. So I actually do have a prepared answer to your question. If I had to make a guess right now, this second, I would guess he goes to the Chicago White Sox because I feel that the Astros might be the front runners, even though this isn't what's out there um, in the mainstream, to my knowledge. The Astros, to me, they got plenty of hitting. You saw a couple of their guys, you know, the a really shortstop third base i mean they're, they're pretty solid uh they get they got the hitting down path they do need the pitching and i have a feeling that they might be the ones who bite Derek fisher kyle tucker you don't get both both outfielders i don't know if uh, do you go outfield pitcher uh their number one prospect being martez i believe that's still their number one prospect having a little bit of a shaky-ish year in the minors still fine-tuning things Fisher did get the call up. I still want, it depends how desperate they are. Who knows? Maybe they hold on to Tucker and still get rid of Fisher. Who knows? It might make a little more sense that they do get rid of Tucker and he is rated a little higher than Fisher anyways. So if I had to make a guess, I guess it would be the White Sox, even though it could well, work out 10,000 other different ways. It definitely could. You know, there's always surprises, but here's the deal. We know what the White Sox asking prices it's been absurd over the past year and they've gotten it so i don't see why they would back down at all especially with quintana who's uh finally starting to heat up a little bit he had a slow start to the season uh, of course there's been talks that 
They have him under control for multiple years, so they might take him into the offseason and not even deal him at the deadline. But the right deal's there. Of course, you have to do it. And you think about continuing with the, the prospects that the Astro has. Forrest Whitley, who was their first-round draft pick from last year, I definitely don't see the Astros letting him go. But I promise you, Rick Hahn and the White Sox are going to have him in the talks and say, well, we want Whitley, too. They're going to want Tucker Whitley and maybe someone else. And maybe, you know, the White Sox throw in, you know, some reliever or Canely or whoever else they could toss in just to kind of beef up the deal. Uh, I don't I don't see Houston pulling the trigger, but we never know. Teams get desperate. Crazier things have happened, even though the Astros don't need it. Need it. But what about the Brewers? The Brewers have worked so hard to build this. Don't even get me started. I know they've they've worked so hard to build this young team, and you know, and Arcia, and of course, Lewis Brinson, who they got in a trade, and Josh Hader, who finally got the call, who's been in the bullpen and who's been great for them. By the way, I think the only run he's given up is an Aaron Judge home run that happened in the last game before the All Star break. So, but whatever, you know, you could give him that one. You know, everyone's going to give up a home run to that guy. Um, Josh Hader, who eventually can make his way into the starting rotation as a, a back-end guy, that's tough to give up, but his name's going to be on the block. I don't see them getting rid of Arcia, but Lewis Brinson? Are they really going to get rid of Lewis Brinson to go get some veteran pitcher that they might only have for half a season just because they're leading the division? I don't know. I wouldn't go that far to break up years of work, but I mean... They want to give Brewers fans what they want, and that's a, a playoff run, and that could be this season, and they're going to need some help if they want to do it. Sam, I don't want to be rude, but I tuned you out as soon as you said Brewers. I, I don't want to – it's ridiculous. Why, you know what you do if you're the Milwaukee Brewers? This is what you do. Do you buy? Do you sell? You do neither. You sit. There is no reason to sell any of your prospects, nor is there any reason to buy some hot – veteran commodity you what is working like it's working right now sam they are in the middle of this it's it's perfect and it's and i understand the question because it's a question that's been thrown out there so much already by multiple networks is all the brewers man they're gonna well they have to buy now no you just wait look why you're in the middle of this rebuild you're a little ahead just like the Yankees are. You know, we talked about this a little while ago. The Yankees are a little ahead. And so to me, what you do if you're the Brewers, you say, wow, leading the division by five and a half games, definitely even with a 50-41 and 41 record, you could have said we would have been 50-41 and 41 to us, and we still probably would have said, yeah, well, we're going to be behind the Cubs or we're going to be red hot, even though the Cubs have been complete opposite of red hot, two games below 500 as we head into the second hall of the season. But I think – I think it's a very simple answer to the question. What are you going to do? Are you going to trade away a hot prospect for a one-year, two-year rental, half-season rental? And who are you going to beat? Is that rental or two going to get you past the Dodgers, the Nationals, the of Red Sox, not. the World or, or Then don't do it. Then don't do it. Keep your star. Keep, keep your keep your prospects. Let it. Let this keep brewing, and then see what happens next year. And, and go from there. Just hey, you're a little ahead of schedule. Keep 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 rinsing. Don't get rid of Hater. <laughs> keep him on your roster. Things will be fine. You're and I, I, there's that. It's it's fool's gold when you think, oh, we're leading the division. If we get another bat or we get another solid pitcher, a, a veteran type player, we can even clinch this thing. We could we could get past the Cubs. Hey, sure, 
maybe you can, but then you run into that goofy idea, which is partial. There's some truth to it. Once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. But it's not worth. I, I don't think what you have. Not, it's not. It's just not worth it. It's just that simple to me. Um, so I think what you do is you just you just sit. You sit. Maybe you make a couple little moves. One little move. No moves. I don't think you do. I. There's zero big moves to be made. I'm with the Milwaukee Brewers, in my opinion. I'm I'm with you. You know what? I'll, I mean. To be determined on what happens. I mean, at this point in the season, I'm sure you and I both thought we'd be talking about Ryan Braun being in some kind of trade talk, but we know that's out of the question at this point, considering he's the best hitter in that lineup. So, I mean, are there any other teams maybe we're not talking about that could be buyers I'm th- or maybe sellers or whatever it is? Because I'm thinking the Kansas City Royals. I'm thinking they're going to be buying. As in, as in buying? Buying. They are all of a sudden, I don't know if you've heard, but all of a sudden they, I just heard this report a couple days ago that. What do you buy? I, that's, that's a great question. Pitching. I mean, they, in, in my mind, they should sell, of course, and they should sell Vargas because this is the best year Vargas will ever have. Mark my words. So you go ahead, you sell one of the best starting pitchers on the block right now and pull in a bunch of big names, whoever that might be. And prospect wise, who do. Who do the Royals have to offer if they're if they're going to buy? You know, do they really have enough that they could offer it? Because as we know, their farm system, it, it, it's all called up. The Eric Hosmer era and Mike Moustakas era, they're they're yeah. they're already veterans. So now all this young talent they have isn't it's not that impressive to be honest. Yeah, the last guy on the train hitting wise is like Dozier, who's I call he's their top young guy. <laughs> You know, I, he's their number one prospect. Yeah, I mean, like, but, you know, what are you going to get for him, realistically? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that's why you have to wait for the dominoes to fall, and then things still don't necessarily make sense. They make a little more sense. Um, you, you could go, obviously, to the obvious teams. A couple you've already mentioned, Houston, Boston, obviously might want to do a little bit of buying. Uh, Dodgers might want to put one more piece uh, together for their what you're already calling a World Series run, and I can't necessarily blame you for saying that you predict them for making the World Series. They are the chalk bet, I would think, right now going into the second half of the season. What about uh, so, uh, what about the other two teams in that division, the Rockies and Diamondbacks, who are right on the tail of the Dodgers, believe it or not, too? I mean, are they going to go out there and buy? We know the Rockies have the prospects to give up. I think you can. I think if you do, you can't blame them. The, Ro- team. the Rockies Arizona. have some big prospects to give up, but I don't think they're willing to give up someone like Riley Pint and definitely not Brendan Rodgers. No, but I think uh, if you could piece together some kind of a deal where you give a little young and you get a little more vet, then I think that's fine. Speaking of, speaking of the Rockies, uh, if I were to start a team, one of the guys that would be a top two, top three pick of mine would be Charlie Blackman. How phenomenal is he? Very this- underrated. Uh, he's the best leadoff man in the game. He, d- he does everything. I mean, he—I mean, literally, he steals bases. He's a great defender, and he could hit it out of the ballpark when he needs. And he's going to bat over three hundred every year. Just fantastic. Which, sorry for getting on another one of my little tangents, but I had to bring that up. Uh, but sure, yeah. I mean, getting back to your question, Arizona, Colorado—if they want to buy, sure, don't give up too much unless you get that much back <laughs> in return. But I—I uh, I, I would even think that goes more of the. That's not necessarily obvious buyers, but if they, it's not a shocker if either team buys. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's and like I said, national Atlanta would. Uh, I don't think Atlanta's buying or selling. They might do what I think the Brewers should do and maybe sit. Yeah, Swanson. They've got it. Like, they've got enough prospects. They don't need yeah, to add. Said, you don't give anything up, right? So I mean, as I just keep thinking about other teams in the league. I, I, you know, coming to a little bit of a halt. Nobody necessarily comes right to mind. What about the um, Orioles? I mean, they're not going to go out. I mean, they suck. <laughs> Let's right. first off, they're awful, uh, and their pitching is just pathetic. So I don't see them being like, well, we need to go buy a pitcher. Is Manny? I mean. I, we're pretty much out of time here, and this is just a total off-the-wall question, but I want to talk about it anyways. Is Manny Machado going to be on the block soon? And if I, he is, good God, what in the kind of what what in the hell kind of haul are they going to get for him? Jesus, like they could get well, so much or should be able to, even though he's having a down year. Yeah, here's the thing with that. Uh, I think teams are a lot smarter nowadays, and. I think you do trade him eventually because well, he's free agent in 2019, isn't it? I think so. So, and if that is the case, and I'm pretty sure that is the case, then what do you get in return for a season, season and a half rental? Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you, you plan on signing him long term. And that's going to be yeah. a lot of money. Right. So I don't, I, I, if you're the Orioles, it's probably smart. Unless you want to sign him in 2019 for a lot of money and your team's sucking, I I think it's very interesting. But I I think you do, and maybe you get a steal. Maybe you put him on the block, and some team that's just right there on the cusp that needs a player like him, even though he's having not necessarily the type of season he's used to having. Maybe you find somebody who bites. I mean, I think it's worth definitely having him on the block for sure. Uh, considering, like like we just mentioned, 2019 being the, the year he's up and he's going to probably demand some big cash. And that is a huge – I believe 2019 also Kershaw in that class. You had so oh, many Oh, no way other, the Dodgers let him go. There's no way. But but still, so many other big names. I, I, Bryce Harper, I mean, you'd say the same thing about the Nationals. No way the Nationals let him go. I mean, uh, sometimes you just don't know. It looks hey, realistic nowadays, maybe, but – Maybe the Dodgers – maybe the Dodgers win a ring this year. Not saying they are, but – if the Dodgers win a ring this year, um, in a couple years, depending on how the team's going, maybe you, maybe you're okay with letting him go if the price is way too high. Because by then he's a World Series winning pitcher, and I'm, I'm sure they would definitely do everything in their power to keep him. But if he somehow does go, at least you got a ring out of him. And Correct. that's granted. And then that's of course if they do get the ring. I think if they don't win the World Series in the next couple years, then of course they keep him because. The price tag will be a little lower because he won't be a World Series winning pitcher, mm-hmm. and you're gonna want that World Series even more. And the only way you're gonna do it if you're the Dodgers is with somebody like him, arguably the best pitcher in the game, best left-handed thrower in the game. Crazier so. things have happened. Well, how's about this? I'm gonna toss this at you real quick. Manny Machado. We're talking about if you can move him. There's only one team that comes to mind that has enough to go out and get him. Whether this, you know, this isn't this year. I'm talking, you know, if anything, next year. At the very earliest, at the deadline, of course. And that's the Atlanta Braves. I'm thinking about all these young pitchers they have, and we know how bad eh, the pitching is eh, in Baltimore. Eh. And how's about this? With the way it's going, do I think it's going to happen? No. But if I'm the Braves, I'll give up Dansby Swanson for Machado. Eh, maybe. I would do it. I don't, sure, but... 
if it's if it's just that for that, if it's one for one, it wouldn't maybe. be one for one. You got to add some of your top right. arms too. Yeah, I yeah. Say I, goodbye to Luis Gohara and everyone else. Sure, is Machado the the better player in that deal? Yeah, is is it worth? Do you want to even maybe hold on to Swanson for something better and more controllable? Probably is what I, I mean. If you're gonna give up Swanson, unless that's like I said, unless you're gonna sign Machado, but yeah, I I don't think uh, I I just I just don't think so. I don't think I don't think the Braves uh, are the. I think it's somebody who's more on the cusp of actually winning something who takes that the gamble with him. Who knows? We'll have to see next year if the Atlanta Braves start to compete. I mean, they no longer have you know big sexy over there. They let him go. Now the yeah. Twins got him in the minor league system, so hey, there's our new diamond in the rough right there. Big Sexy coming back at you in Minnesota. There you go, and I'm glad that we wrapped it up this way. We're running against the clock, but to end the show here, what I want to do is give a little bit of a golf clap to MLB because I did, I loved what I saw this weekend with the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game. It was and fun. the Futures Game. It, it was, not only was it fun, it was a little innovative. They had... Well, they were interviewing Bryce Harper during the game, and Alex Rodriguez is walking around the diamond in between innings interviewing guys. And do you need it? Is it a little goofy? Maybe, but they're trying new things. They're trying to make it hip, cool. I mean, Cruz is taking pictures with West behind home plate. I mean, fun stuff was happening. It was fun again. It was young. It was vibrant. Um, I, I truly enjoyed it, too. The, the, the Homer Derby was fun. The rules of the, everything – was fun uh the the futures game it, it's they are doing a better job at showcasing uh the young talent and just showcasing the game of baseball can it get even better uh in terms of showcasing it sure absolutely but i think they're taking steps in the right direction whether you want to agree with me or not that is my opinion and my opinion that i throw out here on the diamond in the rough podcast this was episode 19 follow us on twitter at diamond podcast if you will facebook diamond in the rough podcast that simple send us an email send us a note second haul of the season so there's many things that are probably on your mind if we didn't get to it this show you could send that note diamond in the rough podcast at gmail.com he's sam ostrowski i'm dan collins it's the diamond in the rough podcast